Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Facing a pandemic-induced plunge in ridership and ticket sales, Caltrain is asking voters in San Francisco, San Mateo, and Santa Clara counties for a lifeline this November. If approved by a two-thirds majority, Measure RR would impose a one-eighth cent tax, that's a sales tax, increase to fund Caltrain's operations, maintenance, and capital projects. And Caltrain says the tax would generate about $100 million annually. We're going to break down Measure RR and what's at stake for the beleaguered commuter railroad. And joining us is Dan Brecky, reporter and editor for KQED News. And good morning, Dan. Good morning, Michael. Always good to have you with us uh, to help us understand these complex measures. And uh, this one uh, went through some real political fights. We talked about it with you before. Um, we don't have to go back and look at that history, but it's uh, managed to get on the ballot. And uh, it's going to require two-thirds from each of these three counties, which is kind of a big ask in many ways. Um, the, polls are, the polls are showing, by the way, that it's pretty close, though. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you're right. That's exactly the... Uh... The, the mountain it has to climb is that two-thirds approval level. And uh, you're, you also mentioned uh, the polling. There was polling done in June that showed uh, about 63% support for the measure, this uh, one cent sales tax, and uh, which would take effect uh, January 1st. If I'm, I'm sorry, would, which would take effect July 1st, next July 1st, if it's passed. Um, and, you know, if people heard uh, about all the virtues of Caltrain, that uh, approval level went up to about 70%. But if they heard about why this shouldn't be passed, for instance, that uh, ridership uh, is by and large pretty well off, that, uh, that level went down below 60%. So there's really no way of telling, but it'll be very close. Well, the sales tax would keep things running through the coronavirus crisis, so it's said, uh, but uh, we don't know how long this crisis is going to last. It's going to fund long-term improvements and actually uh, presumably help service. Uh, but the fact of the matter is ridership is way down, and ridership uh, accounts for what, about 70% of the fares? Uh, That's exactly right. And yes, ridership is... Uh it's hard to believe, uh, you know, the world we have today compared to what it was up through, say, the, the beginning of March. Uh, Caltrain ridership is down 95 percent. And it's really, you know, it, it's really never bounced back. Um, it's it sort of held at that very low, you know, 5 percent ridership level uh, you know, week after week, month after month, and it's still there. And, you know, that 
portends a, a pretty serious budget deficit, not only in this current year, running through next uh, the end of next June, but also the following year. And of course, this is true of virtually every transit agency. And um, you know, the, the window for sort of repairing the damage uh, that's been done to transit agencies, Bay Area wide, maybe nationwide, is really expanding. I mean, we're looking at years perhaps a, a decade or more before ridership gets back to where it was um, at the beginning of the year. And we should say that this is the nation's seventh largest uh, commuter rail system uh, and by many people's lights, one of the best, if not the best. Uh, but they've got to avert a shutdown, they've got to modernize, and uh, they've never really had any source of dedicated or reliable funding, have they? No, and th th this is one of the things that uh, when, when this first was proposed a few years ago. Uh, State Senator Jerry Hill, who's uh, represented the uh, peninsula both on the county board and in the legislature for, for some time, um, you know, wrote a bill that would allow a, a one eight cent sales tax like we have on the ballot. And um, the idea was to finally, after, uh, you know, Caltrain's been in business since 1991, finally create a dedicated source of revenue. Virtually every transit agency you can think of uh, from SMART in the North Bay to BART to, to Muni to AC Transit just or VTA down in the South Bay, they all have some kind of dedicated uh, uh, tax support somewhere, and, but not Caltrain. And as you mentioned before, that means that they're very highly dependent on their uh, fare revenue to, to keep going. So this was supposed to be a, a fix for that. Now, of course, it's also something that uh, with Caltrain on life support, it's only really continuing at the level it is now with 70 trains a day because of a federal bailout that was in the CARES Act that was provided to transit agencies all across the country. Uh, now, uh, Measure RR is seen as sort of a lifeline to get it through this crisis, as well as funding the uh, expansions that, uh, that you've mentioned. They do have revenue from bailout money. They also have some partner agencies and all this that have ponied up about $29 million, but uh, those agencies have also been hit hard because of the pandemic. And we're talking about something that ought to be separated from a $2 billion project to electrify the trains by, what is it, 2027, Dan, already uh, funded. Uh, but when in operation, they're going to need more costs, so this would apply to that as well. We're talking, if you've just joined us, about Measure RR, which would impose a sales tax tax increase of an eighth of a cent to fund Caltrain's operations with KQED's Dan Brecky. And I want to hear from you if you have some thoughts uh, about Prop RR, Measure RR, excuse me, or if you have some questions about it, you can give us a call right now, and I invite you to do that. The number to call is 866-733-6786. You can join us again toll-free right now at 866-733-6786, or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook or at KQED Forum or email any questions you might have to forum at kqed.org and we are getting some emails let me read a few of them rich writes i could not be more opposed to measure rr while caltrain needs a stable funding source these constant moves to raise sales tax is not the way to do it we are almost at a 10 percent combined state and local sales tax with little to show for it potholes school funding shortages etc and Faustine says, I think it's foolish to keep Caltrain running. Wouldn't it be better to use the Caltrain right-of-way to expand BART down the peninsula? You want to address that, Dan? Um, well, as to um, the second point, 
uh, you know, BART is an extremely expensive system. Uh, the mood of the uh, of the BART taxpayer, as well as the uh, the general Bay Area taxpayer, is uh, not to uh, extend BART, but to have BART concentrate on on uh, fixing the uh, the the system it already has. Now, that being said. BART is being extended from the other direction, from Fremont, you know, into San Jose. It opened a 10-mile extension earlier this year. And then uh, it plans to, over the next decade, build an extension into um, downtown San Jose and, and Sunnyvale. Uh, as to the first point about, um, you know, the uh, sales tax fatigue, I, listen, I can't really argue with that. Um, you know, we'll we'll see at the ballot box. There's there have been mixed signals about that, but there were a couple of uh, transportation taxes that went down in March. Uh, one was the smart tax for the Sonoma Marin uh, rapid transit system, and uh, and another one went down in uh, Contra Costa County. So we'll see. But um, you know. The truth is you have a system that uh, the public has invested very heavily in. You mentioned the partner agencies. So Santa Clara County and San Francisco County, as well as San Mateo County, all provide operating support every year. And this tax actually would remove the need for, for them to do that. I mean, the, the uh, agency would be sort of quote unquote self-supporting self under this measure. But, um, you know, there, there's a, a system there that uh, actually plays a huge part in reducing uh, traffic congestion, um, helps the, uh, the I, I guess I'm getting into proponents arguments now, um, and, and it would help the state meet its greenhouse gas uh, reduction goals. And without that, um, you're going, to, when, when we do return to normal, and it's hard to remember, but we will return to something where people will have a need to travel back and forth every day. We're not going to be in this uh, the situation of being hunkered down forever. A year or two is not eternity. So when we wake up and it's 2025 and we need to get back and forth places, we're going to need BART and Caltrain and, and all these other agencies. Of course, the, the unknowns in this is how many people are going to continue working at home and how many people are going to continue to avail themselves right. of the service. But you mentioned some of the pro arguments and uh, uh, that poll that you also mentioned, which was a public opinion poll uh, that was commissioned by the agency, had uh, not only two-thirds uh, roughly in the three counties supporting the one cent sales tax, but they asked for priorities and top reasons for supporting uh, among about 1,250 likely voters. And the first thing was ease traffic. Uh, the second thing was reduce air pollution, like you said, and there's a plan to uh, reduce diesel that's in the works, uh, as I'm sure you're well aware by uh, to go down about 97% by 2040. Um, but the third was uh, essentially to improve frequency and capacity. And we're still got about 3,500 people riding uh, Caltrain, uh, lest we forget here, most of them lower income people. Everybody associates Caltrain with people in the higher income brackets, you know, going down to Silicon Valley and the like. Uh, but there are now uh, many essential workers dependent on the service. Uh, and uh, let's bring a caller on here. Chris joins us from San Jose. Chris, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, thank you, Michael, for taking the call. Um, yeah, so I voted yes on the measure because I, uh, like so many others here in California, you know, we rely on the Caltrain system to get us to and from San Francisco. And I think I speak for a lot of us when, when I say, like, if we had to make that drive every single day, 
if like I'd be ripping my hair out, it would just be like completely unbearable. And Caltrain just makes it so easy for us to get on the train, do work on the way up to the city, and uh, you know, be able to get home and just kind of relax and decompress instead of having to sit through like two hours of traffic and stuff. And it's crazy to me that us as a community are not financing this in some capacity, right? Like, I, I didn't even know it didn't have its own dedicated budget. Like, that's just nuts to me, considering just how many people rely on it. So, yeah, I voted yes, and I encourage others to vote yes because it truly is an important service for the community. So thank you guys so much for talking about it. Well, thank you, Chris. Good to hear from you, and appreciate your call. And uh, Dan Brecky, there's not a whole lot of opposition to this sales tax, we should say, even though some feel... Uh, that uh, it would hurt blue-collar workers and be a regressive sales tax. Uh, uh, former mayor of Foster City, Jim Lawrence, is one of those who has come out in opposition, but he has said, as uh, I think has come up already in our discussion here, that uh, maybe it's a dinosaur and taxpayers uh, keep propping it up as a dinosaur. That's the argument you hear. Well, you know, it's it's a little hard to to call these services that we need and, and should be available to everybody for the lowest possible co cost um, dinosaurs. You know, so getting into the, the, the uh, pro and anti sides, I mean, there is a, a relatively well-funded campaign for the measure. Um, there are business groups, uh, the Silicon Valley Leadership Group and the Bay Area Council support this. Uh, Facebook is a big donor to the campaign. Um, there are, you know, major elected officials. Senator Dianne Feinstein has uh, signed on to this, you know, to vote for the tax. And there are transit advocates, you know, people who are really looking uh, to knit the entire Bay Area together in a in a seamless transit network, are behind this. And then on the other side, the the, the major opposition comes from the Silicon Valley Taxpayers Association. Um, they do cite the, um, the the regressive nature of the of the tax of any sales tax, and you know one thing that I, I would point to that uh, a lot of people well you know another opponent let me just mention this the Green Party of San Francisco, who you would expect to be you know gung ho for for transit and transit support is also against this because of the uh, of the regressive nature of the tax but. They, they, their argument following on that is that transit should be free. So it's not going to be free anytime soon because of, of the expense involved. But Caltrain is one of the agencies around the Bay Area that is uh, involved in a pilot project to create uh, lower fares, uh, more affordable fares for for lower income workers. And Caltrain did take the step of uh, sort of offering a 50% reduced fare for, for those workers. It's a means tested thing. You have to uh, qualify for it. Uh, right now, the ridership surveys they're doing suggests that um, the, the usual riders, many of whom earn uh, more than $100,000 a year, some uh, a good ch chunk of them, more than 20% earn more than $200,000 a year are not riding much. Uh, a lot of them are working from home, but the more essential workers who earn less make up a larger share of the daily ridership. So I, I think that's what we're looking to, um, you know, not just with Caltrain, but beyond is trying to create a network where, um, where everybody can, 
you know, can take advantage of it. And that's something you see, by the way, very strongly in San Francisco, where Muni has really tried to refocus its service on uh, on serving uh, essential workers. Uh, Could you tell you a little instance. bit about how that works? Uh, I mean, th this equity plan that Caltrain is putting forward uh, to lower fares by 50%, uh, people have to show their income tax returns? I mean, <laughs> you know, I actually, I do not know what they what they need to do to qualify in the uh, in this uh, Bay Area pilot. BART's involved too. It, it's being done under the aegis of the uh, Metropolitan Transportation Commission. But I imagine it is something like that. Um, Muni has a, a similar program. And yeah, it's it's means tested. You do have to show some some proof of of need. Um, it does cost money. I mean, this is something. It's a taxpayer supported program. But um, you know, our our entire transportation network, whether you drive on it or ride on it, is is taxpayer supported. And and infrastructure in general is thought to be one of the. You know, maybe it's a it's a false notion. It's an old, outdated notion. But it used to be one of our uh, the things that we sort of took pride in, uh, not only here in California but across the United States. Well, I'm looking at a tweet from Anna who says, "What's the average demographic of Caltrain riders? I'm a low-income, lifelong resident of San Francisco. I generally vote for tax increases, but why should I pay for Caltrain?" I hope we've just kind of answered that, at least in part. Uh, Anna, thank you for the tweet. Let me get a caller on Sandra joining us from San Francisco. Sandra. Good morning. Yes, hi, Michael. Thank you very much. Um, I voted yes on um, the bond, uh, the Caltrans RR, and I have also voted on yes on all the school financing bonds. But, you know, really, Americans need to get over this. We really need to learn how to pay taxes, income taxes. It's, we have such wealth in the Bay Area, and I really think it's time to have a conversation of, uh, that we need to tax income taxes to build, build better public schools and infrastructure. So thank you. Well, thank you for that call. It's good to hear from you. Let's hear from somebody who's undecided on this. Our next caller is Marie. Marie, good morning. Hi, it's Maria from Millbrae. And I just want to say I love Caltrain. And I, I have a, a, a little bit of a, a problem with the CEO, Jim Harnett, who makes upwards of $600,000 a year, excluding benefits. And why is that so? And I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. All right. Thank you for that. Dan Brecky, want to talk well, about salary this here? This has been an argument brought up by the uh, Silicon Valley Taxpayers Association. I looked up his uh, salary. It is not that high. Um, you know, his salary is in line with what uh, transit executives at that level are making. Um, and, um, you know, Nobody likes to see these these big figures, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, the the uh, chancellor at, at UC Berkeley or, um, you know, the head of the California State University system or the, the head of BART and, uh, and Muni and Caltrain. I suppose one defense you could make, and I'm not into defending Jim Hartnett's uh, salary uh, for sure, but, you know, he is the head of two different agencies. Um, he runs Caltrain and, and does it quite well by all accounts. And uh, he's also running Samtrans, which is, uh, you know, a separate transit district. And, you know, that's really, I mean, this is one of those um, sort of imponderables, who deserves what in, in what job. And, uh, you know, I, I guess what I would say is look at the way the rest of the agency runs and, and whether it's efficient or not. Well, you deserve high marks again for clarifying this and uh, bringing it down and understandable to our listeners. Thank you, Dan. Always good to have you with us. 
Oh, you're welcome, Michael. It's good to be here. Stan Brecky, and uh, stay tuned for an hour with Mina Kim. And for all of us here at KQED Public Radio, I thank you for being with us. Stay safe. I'm Michael Krasny. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.